What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the movies Babylon and the Pale Blue Eye. First, let's talk about Babylon. Here's a quick synopsis. During the late 1920s, Manny Torres, who dreams of working on a film set, and Nellie Leroy, who dreams of being a star, experience the highs and lows of making movies and working in Hollywood. The film stars Diego Calva, Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt, Gene Smart, Jovan Adepo, Lee Jin Lee, PJ Byrne, Olivia Hamilton, Katherine Watterson, Samara Weaving, Max Magella, and Tobey Maguire. Standout performances. Babylon feels like the culmination of Margot Robbie's career in movies. She lets loose right away at the very start of the film and gives an incredible performance with endless amounts of energy. Robbie's character in the film, Nellie, is labeled a star but never really fits into the snobbish Hollywood culture. There's a few scenes that showcase why this is an all-time performance. The first is where Robbie's character celebrates getting her first movie role and the second being where her character has to be in her first non-silent movie and is having troubles making the adjustments. This is a vague thing to say but Robbie truly gives a fearless performance in Babylon and instead of getting the praise she deserves Robbie is weirdly getting the brunt of the blame for Babylon's poor box office performance and they are pointing out her other film this year Amsterdam which also didn't do well in movie theaters and my response to that is we should no longer be blaming actors for box office numbers because star power obviously doesn't mean what it used to. Babylon also has Brad Pitt and Amsterdam had Christian Bale. Robbie is not the reason these films do not have a wider audience. Now all eyes will be on Barbie and if that flops, this ridiculous narrative she now has that she's not a draw will gain traction. Her and Ryan Gosling are also set to start filming an Ocean's Eleven prequel directed by Jay Roach who worked with Robbie on Bombshell. Brad Pitt appeared in three films in 2022, The Lost City in a supporting role with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, a leading role in David Leach's Bullet Train. Both of those films show Pitt's comedic side. While Babylon shows not only can he be very funny but that he's still one of our finest actors. The performance is a perfect balancing act between Pitt being a riot and a troubled figure. In the film, Pitt plays Jack Conrad, who is one of the biggest movie stars of the silent era whose star power is fading with the invention of talkies. There are some memorable scenes where his character is inspired by filmmaking and tells people how magical the art form can be, and there's a heartbreaking scene between Pitt and Gene Smart, who plays a gossip columnist and is basically telling him his time in the spotlight is over. Pitt is reportedly next going to star in movies directed by Noah Baumbach, Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts and Top Gun Maverick director Joseph Kaczynski. Like everyone else who saw Babylon for the first time, I had no idea who Diego Calva was, but I walked away super impressed with the young actor who is playing a character who in the wrong hands could be a thankless role. He not only is great with Robbie and Pitt, he also carries some scenes on his own. In the film, he is playing Manny Torres, a young man who dreams of working on a movie set, and when he meets Robbie's Nelly at a party, he's immediately enamored by her. For Calva, this is a good jump start to what looks like a promising acting career. Tobey Maguire also appears in Babylon in a role that will shock you. He was a big presence in my life growing up. I loved him as Spider-Man and loved his return to the character in Spider-Man No Way Home. But the man has done good work outside of playing the wall crawler. 
my favorites being Wonder Boys, where he gives, in my opinion, his best performance. And I also love him in Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. Maguire's performance in Babylon is jarring and unexpected and really worked for me. I think that's the turning point of the film. If you still like Babylon after those scenes, then you're a fan of the movie. If the movie started to not work for you at that moment, then I think you probably dislike this movie a whole lot. Babylon director Damien Chazelle began his filmmaking career as close to universally beloved as humanly possible, starting with 2014's Whiplash, where he received an Oscar nomination for the screenplay. Then in 2016 with La La Land, a movie musical which made over $430 million at the box office, he won Best Director at the Oscars. You could make the case that La La Land is the most successful movie musical of the 21st century, but with his next film, 2018's First Man, there was some backlash. Most of it for some stupid political reasons. I like that movie a lot. It's really comparable to Ron Howard's Apollo 13. That gets us to Babylon, Chazelle's most polarizing film yet. Some have called it a masterpiece, while others have called it a catastrophic misfire. Let me talk about some of the criticisms towards the film I wholeheartedly disagree with. The first is this idea that the film is a one-note movie, that every scene is like the next one, and that a half hour in, you've seen all the film has to offer. All three leads go through incredible character arcs, and there are some incredible tonal shifts throughout the movie. It does not fizzle out like many people are saying. The other thing that movie critics are saying is that this film proves Damien Chazelle himself hates movies. I watched Babylon and thought the exact opposite. What he hates is the noise around them, the fake glamour and the needless rumors. This movie shows his belief is in the movies themselves and the people who make them. That movies will last forever and that's all that matters. My opinion is Damien Chazelle is on the path to become one of the great filmmakers of our time. What he did with Babylon is make a movie I've never seen before. You can't compare it to other movies about movie making because those films glorify the industry whereas Chazelle shows you the ups and downs and from the jump he shows you this isn't going to be a film about how amazing Hollywood is. Chazelle himself has described the film as quote a poison pen hate letter to Hollywood but a love letter to cinema. I also feel like Babylon is timely because it's about the evolution of movies from silent films to talkies and right now movies are changing at a rapid pace. The movies we are used to seeing be successful at the box office, like Babylon, are no longer thriving. I think what Babylon is about is about how the art form of movie making has and will constantly change over time with little to no warning. For instance, many people think that superhero movies are going to continue to dominate for decades to come. Well, guess what? The two biggest movies of 2022 were Top Gun Maverick and Avatar the way of the water, two non-comic book movies. The same way that nobody saw the end of the silent movie era coming, we will not know the end of the superhero movie era until it actually ends. Babylon, like almost all of the prestige movies of this past year, has struggled mightily at the box office, and some of it has to be about its three-hour runtime. And another thing is, I suspect most people think this is a movie that glorifies Hollywood 
which it absolutely does not. There are also some people questioning the historical accuracy of Babylon, even though it's fiction, and here's what I have to say to that. The movie is bonkers and some aspects are ludicrous, but I believe it's emotionally honest about what Hollywood used to be like, and I say this all the time, if you are looking for facts, don't look for movies for them. Look for books. Oscar chances. Right now, I believe Babylon should and will be nominated for Best Picture at this year's Academy Awards. I think it is absolutely one of the best movies of 2022. I also believe it would be a crime for Margot Robbie not to receive an Oscar nomination for Best Leading Actress. I also think Brad Pitt has a really good chance to get nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And this won't surprise you, I think Damien Chazelle should be nominated for and should win Best Director. He went out and made something that nobody saw coming. Sometimes I think you should be rewarded for your career for doing something unpredictable. He didn't make a studio movie we all saw coming. He made something unexpectedly wild and thrilling. And overall, with Babylon, Damien Chazelle is reaching Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson, Martin Scorsese level filmmaking where he's making something original that you've never seen before that's impossible to describe. They should let him make whatever movies he wants to make in the future. I also don't want to see Damien Chazelle look at the detractors of this movie as valid because they're not in my eyes. I want Damien Chazelle to make these kind of movies. The last thing I want is for him to look at these criticisms and go back and make a boring studio movie as his next movie. I love every single movie Damien Chazelle has made. Whiplash is one of the best films. I love that movie. J.K. Simmons won an Oscar for it. La La Land is one of the movies that made me love movies. I thought First Man was unexpected and brilliant, and the same thing can be said about Babylon. I think Babylon is easily my second favorite Damien Chazelle movie behind La La Land. You can complain all you want about three hour runtimes, but when it's a great director, I mean, look at the list of great movies that are over three hours. I love PTA's Magnolia. It's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman was one of the best movies of 2019, and Babylon is absolutely one of the best movies of 2022. Now let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Pale Blue Eye. Here's a quick synopsis. In 1830, Augustus Landor, a retired detective, is asked by the military to investigate a series of murders at West Point with the help of one of its cadets, Edgar Allan Poe. The film stars Christian Bale, Harry Melling, Toby Jones, Timothy Spall, Gillian Anderson, Simon McBurney, Lucy Boynton, Harry Lolly, and Robert Duvall. Standout performances. 2022 was a perfect example as to why Christian Bale is one of the best actors alive. He gave two showy performances in Taika Waititi's Thor Love and Thunder and David O. Russell's Amsterdam. In The Pale Blue Eye, he's being far more subtle. It's one of those performances that really comes together at the end of the movie, and it's similar in that way to his two other films with director Scott Cooper, Out of the Furnace and Hostiles. In those films, he's not playing the flashiest characters. Those characters are being played by, in Out of the Furnace, Casey Affleck, Woody Harrelson, and Willem Dafoe, and in Hostiles is Rosamund Pike and Ben Foster. Bale has plenty of outlets to play colorful characters. Cooper has shown him as a solid leading man. Harry Melling was not one of the biggest stars of the Harry Potter 
Potter films. In them, he played Dudley, Harry's obnoxious and spoiled cousin. But in the last few years, he's really developed into an interesting character actor who has worked with great filmmakers. He was in 2017's The Lost City of Z from James Gray, 2018's The Ballad of Buster Scruggs from the Coen Brothers, The Old Guard from Gina Prince Bywith, The Devil All the Time from Antonio Campos, both came out in 2020, and 2021's The Tragedy of Macbeth from Joel Cohen. Melling also had a prominent role in the hit Netflix series The Queen's Gambit from Scott Frank. In Scott Cooper's The Pale Blue Eye, Melling is playing the renowned and mysterious author Edgar Allan Poe, who famously wrote The Telltale Heart and The Raven. The movie takes place before he's an author, and in it, he's a cadet at West Point who is a bit of an oddball. Melling gives a terrific performance. It's wacky and fun, which you wouldn't expect from someone playing Poe. I think big things are on the horizon for Harry Melling, and I think in this movie, he gives his best performance. I'll admit, I've never watched a second of The X-Files, so I wasn't super familiar with the work of Gillian Anderson, but then I watched her in Sex Education, where she plays the mother of the main character, Otis, and she's hilarious in the role, and then she played Elle Fanning's mother in Season 2 of The Great, and in The Pale Blue Eye, she gives an eccentric performance that I thought the movie really needed. What's interesting to me about the evolution of Scott Cooper as a filmmaker is he's really now taking aspects of his early films, Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mass, and Hostiles, and putting them in more accessible genre movies. His last film, Antlers, was a horror movie, and The Pale Blue Eye is a murder mystery. These movies, in some ways, are completely different from his earlier films, but they still feel like Scott Cooper movies, and for me, that's the mark of a good director. He's showing his range as a filmmaker while staying true to who he is. I don't want to spoil the film The Pale Blue Eye, and I won't, but what I liked about The Pale Blue Eye is immediately when you think the mystery has been solved, it goes in a completely different direction that will make you rethink Bale's entire performance. It reminded me of what Mark Ruffalo did in Martin Scorsese's Shutter Island. I remember watching that movie and going, wow, Mark Ruffalo's really not that good in this movie, and then by the end of it, you'd go, wow, this movie would fall apart if it weren't for Mark Ruffalo. That's what Christian Bale is like in The Pale Blue Eye. There will be moments in this movie when you ask yourself, why did Scott Cooper get arguably the best actor alive to play this dull, boring part? But by the end of it, you'll say, only Christian Bale could have pulled off this performance. He's the reason the landing really sticks. That's what's really interesting about this movie. The early portion of it is dominated by Harry Melling. You're like, this is one of the best supporting performances I've seen in a while. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh yeah, Christian Bale is here too. I think the dichotomy of those two performances is what makes this movie worth seeing, in my opinion. And after watching it, I couldn't help but think of Bale's past, where he used to dominate movies and take them over with a supporting performance. The first Christian Bale movie I remember watching is The Fighter. I immediately saw that movie and thought and still think that is the best movie performance I have ever seen. I love the fact that he won the Oscar for that film. It was kind of cool to see Christian Bale on the other side of somebody taking a movie from him because I think most people, including myself, will argue Harry Melling takes this movie, The Pale Blue Eye. I think he gives the performance of the film. But again, I'll say it, Christian Bale really does make the ending of The Pale Blue Eye. In the last few years, the tone of these murder 
murder mystery genre movies and TV shows have largely been comedic. I mean, Knives Out is funny. The After Party was funny. Only Murders in the Building is funny. The White Lotus is funny. So I thought it was kind of refreshing to watch something like The Pale Blue Eye take itself deadly serious. And again, there are still some fun performances in this movie from Harry Melling and Gillian Anderson. Cooper brought some naturalism that he brings to most of his films. I also have to say I loved the look of this movie. The Pale Blue Eye, though, is far from perfect in my opinion. I think the issue I have with it was the mystery itself. Too much of it was. I wasn't really paying attention to the mystery itself. It, the early parts of the movie was all about the Harry Melling performance and not nearly enough about the mystery, which wasn't that interesting in the first place. And really, the mystery was only there to build up towards the ending. And I think that kind of bothers me in a way that the mystery itself couldn't carry the movie, that nobody would care about the resolution to this mystery. So they had to come up with a twist to save the movie. And that's what I think that twist does. It's so good that it saves the film. But the mystery is so weak that it almost ruined it entirely. I'll also admit I haven't read a ton of Edgar Allan Poe's work, so I'm not sure how the movie overall interacts with the rest of his work. Like, I'm sure if you're a lifelong fan of Edgar Allan Poe, this movie makes a ton of sense to you, and the connection between Edgar Allan Poe and the Satanist in the movie, that really didn't connect to me at all. But that's more about my failure as an intellectual. I have not read the work of Edgar Allan Poe. I know this was adapted from a novel that I have not read, and I'm sure many people have not read, so this movie will feel fresh and new. And maybe lifelong fans of Edgar Allan Poe will really connect to that performance. Like, I really liked the Harry Melling performance, but the Edgar Allan Poe of it all probably went right over my head. Overall, The Pale Blue Eye is a very good murder mystery movie, not a great one because the mystery itself isn't top-notch, but it has a twist that actually makes a lot of sense. It's the type of movie that probably is better on second and third viewings. Harry Melling as Edgar Allan Poe is a must-see, and so is any movie with Christian Bale at the center of it. The work Bale has done with director Scott Cooper has been underseen in my opinion. Everyone's seen Christian Bale as Batman. Everyone's seen most of his movies with David O. Russell. I love his work with Scott Cooper. I loved Out of the Furnace, and Hostiles is one of the best modern Western films. When these two get together, they come up with a really solid movie, and it sounds like they are going to continue to make movies together. I hope at some point they make a hit film. I don't know how many people are going to see The Pale Blue Eye. It's on Netflix and so many of their movies are underseen. Go out and check out The Pale Blue Eye and also go back and see Out of the Furnace and Hostiles and then you will see a different version of Christian Bale than what you're used to and that's what I love about Scott Cooper. He gets something out of his actors than most others do not. He got something out of Harry Melling I've never seen before from Gillian Anderson that I've never seen before. For me, Cooper is a super underrated filmmaker. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I highly recommend you check out Babylon and the Pale Blue Eye. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking about the animated film 
Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, and She Said, starring Zoe Kazan and Carrie Mulligan. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. 